So, um, hi everybody. I, um, this is my first time to this meeting as well. And um, my name is Toby. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. And um, up until yesterday, I'd never introduced myself that way as a recovering compulsive overeater. I always said um, I'm a compulsive overeater, but in fact, I am a recovering compulsive overeater and I feel really hopeful. Um, I have 41 days of recovery. So Cynthia, thank you for asking me um, to come speak. I'm nervous and um, and that's okay because I'm doing service. And Kelly, welcome. Now I'm more nervous having a first time ever to OA. It's like, that's a, that's a bit of pressure, but actually, so nurse to nurse. Uh, so my name's Toby. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, and I'll tell you a little bit of what it was like in a nutshell. No, no, I won't mention food, nutshell. But um, And what happened, and um, by the grace of God, what, what, what it's like now, which is um, uh, a miracle. So I've been a compulsive overeater since I was um, a kid. I mean, I mainlined sugar cubes at restaurants with my family. And that's kind of the first time I realized that I was different than my siblings who could sit there and, and not do that. So um, back in the day, that's how they had sugar in these cubes. And, and um, that's when I think my mother really realized there's something wrong with this kid that she's trying to you know, instead of eat a meal at a restaurant, trying to eat that instead. And um, I wasn't really aware that food became my crutch to deal with everything. But um, this disease of, this, this uh, eating disorder for me um, progressed just like uh, I, I, I've read. It progressed as I progressed in growing up. So uh, I was really active as a kid. I, have five, I grew up in a big house hold here in northern Maine where I'm speaking from right now in my hometown and I had uh, five siblings and um, and uh, my family my father's a potato farmer and my mother was a nurse so food you know the staple that we grew was was um, we had every day and my mother made it in more ways than I can remember but that wasn't my problem that wasn't something I had a problem with I had a problem with sugar and flour and and as much of it as I could as a way to deal with things but I was real active and athletic real tomboy and so um, it didn't show up on the outside but my family always called me moody and I was moody because I was self-medicating with anything I could find and very secretive very um, I was always the first one to jump in, uh, you know, stop playing basketball in the yard and help my mother when she showed up after grocery shopping because I'd love to go hide as much as I could of what she had without being caught. To, you know, she bought a large amount because a family of eight. So I would stick stuff in the freezer in the back where only I knew where it was. And yeah, so uh, I suffered. I suffered. Um, without even knowing I was suffering. And, um, and that's kind of a story of mine too. Just um, not understanding this disease and not having anyone to talk to about what was going on. But um, as I became a teenager, um, uh, one summer I was anorexic. I figured out on my own how to keep myself from eating everything I was eating and I restricted myself uh, for the two months that summer and went from a healthy weight of 
145 pounds, I was 5'9", to 118 pounds. And I did this away from home. I did it at a summer camp where no one really monitored that I was eating like 500 calories a day. I just dropped it and then showed up at home. And um, uh, it was crazy. I had hair down to my waist and my hair went from like somewhat healthy looking to I looked like bozo. My hair had sucked every bit of vitamins out of it you know, as I lost all that weight. I looked like, like someone in a concentration camp. And that's how I showed up when I came home, my clothes hanging off of me and my mother ready to ask for money back from the camp for not feeding their daughter. And, you know, but she took me to a doctor because I told her I'd stop getting my period. And um, the doctor never discussed my food eating disorder at all. He just said, um, here, take these pills, which turned out to be birth control pills, which I took just for a month or two to get me jump-started back on my period. And I've never been anorexic since. I've never restricted myself, um, and uh, I went to the other side of the disease for myself. And I went off to uh, college, uh, nursing school, and I had nursing uniforms in six different sizes because I never knew on any given week how much I'd have binged or not to fit into this this uniform. And um, and then I moved to California and my first job, and I thought I was just going to visit California for a little bit. So I didn't take a full-time position. I took a per diem position. And I didn't really recognize till much later that my disease told me to do that because as a per diem position, I could sign up and work whenever I wanted and not go in when I didn't want, which was really when the disease took over because um, I um, there were lots of times that I just shut off my answering machine, didn't answer the phone, and um, was face down in the food. And then there were periods of... Um, relief from that where I could eat somewhat like a normal person and go work a 12-hour shift for days at a time to make enough money to uh, pay my rent and uh, buy enough money for earn enough money to go buy whatever food I wanted and um, that was my life. The other day uh, we were talking in the reading the big book about Bob's nightmare and um, you know, in that story, he's telling how crazy his life was as a doctor, working, then getting drunk every night, then, you know, uh, going back. To just And then it, the sen- next sentence was, and uh, 17 years of that. So I just looked back 10 years of um, living like that in San Francisco, for the most part. But I want to say, I moved to San Francisco in 1983. And when I first moved there, I discovered this place around the corner from where I lived in the marina down in Chestnut and Fillmore. There was the dry dock. That's where I went to my first OA meeting. First, I went to Adult Children's of Alcoholics because they had all the 12-step meetings there. I went to uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics because um, my mother had had a drinking problem for a period of her life. She got to be sober. Um, through the grace of this program for the last 25 years of her life. But I, I blamed my eating on, um, it must have been because of my mom's drinking. So I went to ACA meetings, Adult Children of Alcoholics, and then I started finding out there was this meeting at the dry dock called Overeaters Anonymous. And uh, at the age of 25, I realized, well, okay, I forgive my mom for what happened to her, but 
I don't have a problem with alcohol, I have a problem with food. So I went to that meeting, but I gotta tell you, I went for about six months and it was at a time uh, in a group of people there that came and talked about mentioning, they mentioned the food that they had binged on a lot, people one after another. And I would find myself leaving that meeting, going directly to the Marina Safeway and, and, and just buying all the junk food. So I thought, this isn't gonna work. And that's what I wanna say, 10 years after leaving that meeting, I functioned as a food addict who went across the street into the store um, in on Chestnut Street and acted like I was buying food for a party almost every day. And, uh, you know, just, I am not a foodie. I would prefer to not have to eat at all. And I don't mean as an anorexic, I just mean with this disease, it would be wonderful to me if it was like, alcoholism or drug addiction where my body didn't need it. But because I have to eat to survive, uh, I um, I eat. When I'm in my food um, as, a, as a food addict, not, not working this program, um, I'm a gutter level, candy eating, um, nothing fancy food. I don't, I don't crave fancy stuff. It's just really junk and uh, more of it. And I ate to oblivion. I ate so my stomach hurt so much. Um, I, I think about those years and I really feel for that young woman. I lived alone, of course. I had a studio. Never would I dream of living with somebody, uh, roommates or a partner, because food was my partner. Food was my intimate partner. Took it to bed every night. So I suffered, and um, by the grace of God, um, I uh, found myself back in OA again when, as a nurse, I moved to live in Israel, and uh, I got married, I had a daughter, and um, I gained 100 pounds in my pregnancy and in my postpartum depression, and I got up to the highest weight I've ever been at 250 pounds, and there was a nurse I worked with and I watched her losing weight and losing weight and losing weight. She was diabetic, type two diabetic. But I said to her, what, what are you doing? And she said, well, I go to this meeting. And she told me the OA in, in Jerusalem. And I said, will you take me? So she took me and um, I lost a hundred pounds over the next year working this program diligently, back to back daily abstinence, using every tool in the tool. And, um, and I was happy, joyous, and free. And I moved back to the Bay Area by myself with my daughter, um, left my husband, and um, uh, went to a few meetings in Berkeley when I moved there, but ended up leaving program. And sure enough, I just, anyway, I that's to qualify. I have been up and down to 250 pounds. And um, I got to Jerusalem and I found that nurse and I lost the 100 pounds, came back, looked for OA in the, in Berkeley, went to some meetings, but as a single mother working, um, I um, stopped going and the weight came on. And more years of just um, trying to hold off this disease and not being successful. And um, I uh, went back to graduate school 
and the stress of applying for a PhD program and getting in and feeling like, how am I going to do this? I'm a single parent with an eight-year-old. And, um, and uh, God would have it that someone came into my office at the Institute on Aging where I was working. And uh, um, this woman came in for a meeting with me and she brought her own lunch. And I looked at that and I just looked at it. And after a few minutes, um, she said, I said, you know, I used to bring my own meals everywhere. And anyway, long story short, she was in OA and she um, uh, was just who God sent to me. And um, going back to OA at that time, I lost uh, the 100 pounds again and um, had seven years back-to-back abstinence. And then I left the program when the pressure came on and the weight came back and my disease had progressed. While I was abstinent, my disease was out there waiting to pounce whenever I stopped working this program. I stopped working the program, the weight came back on. That was, um, that was, uh, let's see, um, eight years ago. So um, two years ago, somebody in my Rotary Club who... Um, um, brought those meals, carried his own food. He invited me, um, well, let me just say, six. it was like six years ago. For six years, that man asked me, invited me to come back to OA. Six stubborn years, I did it my way and suffered. Now, I got to tell you, the disease really caught up with me because I went back to the food and I had started having panic attacks. I've gone to the emergency room multiple times. I can't count. I think I said 11 the other day. I just got to say, um, you know, I uh, found a way again and started going to meetings at uh, El Camino Hospital a couple years ago. Got a sponsor, got back on track. Then I moved to Maine last year and the meetings were gone. There's no meetings. So I got to say, the only thing I'm grateful to COVID is that OA meetings are on Zoom, and I got to uh, get a sponsor, thank you God, and get back on track. So I have 41 days of abstinence. I am reading the steps and working the steps in a way that I never have before. My gratitude and um, really unbelievable that God would give me another chance. I can't believe it. I can't believe that I can be free of it one day at a time, but because of all of you and this program that has been established for years and years since before I was born, I can work it, and I'm going to, and I'm married. I came home and married my childhood sweetheart. I've been married for two years, and um, because of this program, I have a wonderful marriage a wonderful relationship with my daughter, and most of all, a wonderful relationship with myself because I love and respect myself in a way that I haven't ever before. And it's vulnerable and um, often uncomfortable. Step 10 says a persistent effort to let go of our defects and change our actions is crucial to our recovery from here on, and I hear that. And then it also says at the beginning of step 10, repetition is the only form of permanence that nature can achieve. Well, I live out here in nature, and the only part of repetition that I'm going to cling to is 
working this program every day, writing my food down, committing it to my sponsor, using the tools, and thank you, God, going to Zoom OA meetings so I can be with my fellows and not suffer anymore, and um, today be of service and share my story and hope that it helps somebody else. So thank you all for letting me speak. I appreciate it.